Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical, one step at a time, with magic that works. What's up, witches? Welcome to Magic School. I'm your host, Vervain, and this is what I do. I help people level up their lives and enchant the everyday with approachable magic that works. I do this through my work as an author, as a divinatory coach, by holding space for individual and community growth within Oil Coven, and by creating magical content like this. To learn more about my offerings, to book a divinatory coaching session, or to join Oil Coven, head on over to my website, vervainandtheroses.com. On today's episode of Welcome to Magic School, we are going to be talking about runes for protection magic, one of my favorite things. Runes are one of my favorite things. I guess protection magic is also one of my favorite things. It's pretty cool. Um, we're going to be going over the basics of how to use runes in any mag or in magic of any kind, like period, like how do you use runes in magic? How do you do rune magic? We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. Um, we're going to talk about my five favorite runes for protection magic specifically. And we're going to go over specific ways that you can invoke or evoke the magic of these five runes in your magical practice and your day to day life, which I mean, part of the whole point of this podcast is teaching you different ways or sharing with you different ways that you can weave together your magical practice and your day-to-day -day life so that your day-to-day -day life becomes a part of your magical practice or vice versa. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into today's lesson, I know you're excited. I'm excited too. But before we get into it, let's go over last week's homework. Did you do the homework? I hope you did the homework. The homework was fun. Well, maybe the homework was scary, but maybe the homework was fun. Let's talk about it. Just kidding. Nobody did the homework. Sad day. So we move on now. Without further ado, let's get into today's lesson. Rune magic. What is it? Most people these days that I have met, that I have conversed with, seem to just think of runes as another divinatory tool, like tarot or oracle cards. Basically, you draw a rune, it tells you how to live your life, right? Wrong. Well, kind of wrong. Kind of right, kind of wrong. So, I, I mean, okay. <laughs> tells you how to live your life. You want to talk about that, go back and listen to episode one, and we'll talk about what I think about that in general in terms of divination and getting that sort of information from divination or from via divinatory methods. Blah, 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 blah. That's what episode one is for. Episode four? We're on episode four? Yeah, episode four is for talking about runes for protection magic, and we're talking about rune magic. So you can absolutely do rune readings. You can absolutely perform divination with runes. Should I talk about what runes are? I didn't put that in my outline. Okay, real quick, quick review. Runes are... <laughs> A system of writing and a system of magic, kind of like an alphabet, kind of like a symbol language um, belonging to the ancient. I'm not really sure like what the word, like what time periods the word ancient refers to. I think I can say ancient Norse peoples. So people of ancient Northern Europe and Scandinavia, that area generally. Um, and they, uh, there are several different, so 
each instead of an alphabet, we call it an alphabet, right? Because it's got alpha, beta, or aleph, beth, or <laughs> a, b um, as the first two letters, and so that's why we call it the alphabet. Um, the runic, I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> alphabet is called a futhark because uh, basically uh, the the f rune, the u rune, the th rune, the a rune, the r rune, and the k rune are the first six letters or first six runes of the futhark. <laughs> so that's why it's called futhark. Fehu urus, thurisas, ansus, raido, and kenaz are the first six, and then gebo and munyo flesh out that first eight. So um, this is specifically referring to the elder futhark. So there are a couple different ones. So we don't really have multiple alphabets. Um, I mean, you have like the Brits call ZZ, but that's not really like a different alphabet, you know? I guess you go, if you go to like um, like a Spanish-speaking country, they have an Enya as well as just an N, right? And then if you go to like certain um, other languages, we'll have like, you know, letters with different like dots over them or lines through them or whatever. So I guess we do kind of have a couple different alphabets. So the Futhark evolved over time. Um, as language evolved, as the people changed, uh, as the culture changed, um, and as it, you know, as time went on, <laughs> the Futhark evolved. So there are a bunch of different versions of the Futhark. The most popular that you'll come across, the most popular one is the Elder Futhark, which is also possibly the oldest complete one. I think it's the oldest one. Um some of these things, I write them down so I don't have to remember them. So <laughs> if you're like, how does she write a book about this if she doesn't know all of these details? It's like, yeah, I put them in the book so that <laughs> I wouldn't have to. I'm, haven't you seen um, the third Indiana Jones? I'm here. Rem I'm remembering that scene where Indiana Jones is talking to his father, Indiana Jones Sr., about like asking for information that was in this little book of secrets that this guy kept and he's like i don't know like that's why i had the little book it was i wrote it in the book so i wouldn't have to remember it so that's kind of how i feel <laughs> okay <laughs> so futharks blah 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 blah. old elder futhark then there's also the younger futhark then there's also the anglo-saxon futhark and there's probably some other futharks i'm pretty sure but the one that i talk about in my book and the one that i work with primarily although i do occasionally work with extraneous runes um is the elder futhark and that is a 24 rune system separated into three eights and you can get all philosophical about that and I do in my book, but we're not going to do that here. Um, and basically, each rune in the Futhark has both an associated sound, like any letter in our alphabet, and also an associated meaning. So the Hebrew alphabet is a lot like this as well. Um, the meanings that are attributed to each rune um, can absolutely be used in divination. And when I think when a modern witch looks at the meanings, especially the way that the meanings have been written down, I don't know, I guess we tend to think of these sorts of things as being for divination. Um, but as far as most people can tell, it looks like there's much stronger historical context for using runes as a magical system rather than as a divinatory system. So what does that mean? Um, 
so I don't know if you've heard of like doing spell work with tarot. So kind of like if you haven't, now you've heard of it. Um, if you have, congratulations, cool, we're on the same page. So kind of like tarot cards are primarily used for divination, but you can kind of turn it around and use them for spell work. Like you can say, I really want to tap into Queen of Pentacles energy. So I'm going to get out my Queen of Pentacles and like focus on it and meditate it and light a candle and stuff. I actually just did something kind of like that. Um, so you can do that, right? It's primarily for divination, but you can say the thing that this card means is something that I want to invoke in myself or evoke in my life. And I want to, I want more of that energy in my life. So I'm going to use this card in spell work. Well, runes are the same way, but the other way around. So they were created as a magical system. Uh, it's hard to tell if they were a magical system or a writing system first. Um, I think that might be something that people disagree on, uh, but they were definitely, they were almost certainly a magical system before they were ever a divinatory system. And I do think there is pretty strong evidence for them being a divinatory system, um, but it's not specific enough evidence for a lot of historians. So anyhow, if you want to know more about that, read my book, Modern Runes. Um, you can find it on my website at vervainandtheroses.com slash runes. Anyhow, <laughs> um, skipping forward a little bit. So just like tarot cards are often used for divination, but you can flip them around and use them for spell work, um, runes are were designed as a magical system, probably. It's really hard to say. Well, it's really hard to say what tarot was designed for, too, actually. So fuck it. Um, runes are primarily a magical system that can be flipped around and used as a divinatory system. So the entire idea actually of having like a bag of rune stones, like a pouch of, of rocks carved with runes that you pull out of the bag to do a little reading is, is a pretty damn modern idea. Um, like I said, there is some evidence about drawing lots um, made from fruit bearing trees, but the reason that historians disagree about whether or not there's any evidence for runes being used as for divination is because we have this description of this divinatory ritual where they would cast or, or pull lots from a bag made, you know, carved from an, a, a fruit or a nut bearing tree and do this for divination. But there's nothing <laughs> written in that account, which is from Tacitus. Um, there's nothing in that account about what was on those lots that were drawn. So were they runes? Were they something else? Was it just short sticks, long sticks? Was it just X, no dot or X, no X, X's and O's? Like nobody knows what was on those lots that were drawn in Tacitus's account in Germania. Germany is the name of the work that this is from. Tacitus is the author. So you can you can look that up and think what you think. Um, but anyhow, so so that method is attested, but using runes for it is not necessarily attested. The point is, you can totally use use runes for divination, and also runes are definitely a magical system, and that's where we know their lineage is. So that was a really long way to tell you. Um, that, but now I've told you that. So that's cool. How do you do rune magic? So some of the ways that it's talked about historically is like someone would carve a rune into something and then shave it off into somebody's um, like cup of drink. So 
I think this could be really cool, like to carve a rune into like a, like a sugar cube. Even you could carve a rune into a sugar cube and pop it in your tea. Um, or you could carve a rune into a cinnamon stick and then grate the cinnamon stick into your tea or your coffee or your wine or, you know, uh, all sorts of things like that. Or you can, um, if you want to, you know, do a modern play on this, you can put the mustard on your lunch sandwich in the shape of a rune and then eat it. And now you're like, in, in you're invoking, you're literally bringing that rune into your body. And actually when I first got, well, not first, when I got, a call to get really serious about learning the runes again (laughs) um a couple years ago the specific call that i got was to invite the runes into my body and that's not what i what i did but that's one of the ways that you can do it and i think it's um ooh, i think it is freya aswin who says who has the rune cookie ritual I think it's Freya Aswin who has the rune cookie ritual. It could be Diana Paxson. Um, ooh, but I think it's Di- I think it's Freya Aswin. And so she suggests making like 24 cookies, each of them with the runes on them and baking them and then doing like one a night where you do a little meditation and you invoke you you invoke them by eating them uh, one at a time over 24 nights. Um, and that's a cool thing that you could do. Um I've found that I personally need a lot more have have in the past needed a lot more than one night per rune to like process this shit. Um, some of them took me like two weeks. Some of them took me like three months plus. Um, yeah. Anyhow, that's another story for another day. So, uh, yeah, you can you can eat them or drink them in such a way. Um, you can m- meditate on them visually, um, you, you know, either by having them in front of you or just closing your eyes and visualizing them and thinking about the meanings and stuff. You can read about them also as a good, like reading about them, studying them is, is a way to, I, I think that is a way to invoke them or evoke them to, to call on their power um, to just, you know, decide to invite them into your consciousness um, by looking for them and learning about them. Uh, it's a much more subtle way. So it's probably a really good way to start. <laughs> um, you can write or draw them, of course. So you can, you know, you can write them on a post-it. You can create a, <laughs> I just created a little rune script out of juniper branches to hang on my gallery wall. Um, you can wood burn them into like a little you know i have a wood burned like car charm with a little um like a tree nickel kind of thing um i hope that makes sense um you know you can you can write them or draw them or paint them i i put a lot of runes in my art as well to kind of infuse the the art with with the meanings of the runes that that gets put in um you can create like bind runes or sigils with them you can I, I do both and those are separate things so a bind rune is like a sigil with j- made up of just runes you have like multiple runes and you put them together into like one shape that is its own new shape and that's called a bind rune and then I do also use them in sigils where I'll like create a sigil based on another word and then add runes and other motifs into my sigils I just I really like approaching sigils like art and it's really fun and maybe i'll do an episode about sigil magic later but that's not today 
Um, you can arrange other items in the shapes of runes. So you can make like a crystal grid or a nature mandala or whatever, that sort of thing, and arrange your items in the shape of a rune or two or a few or runes or a few ru- a rune or runes. Um, or you can do what's called Stadagalder. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> when you like read about things and you've read a word 500,000 times, but you've heard people say it and everybody says it differently and you don't know if anyone is right. Yep. That's what Stadagalder is for me. So, um, but it's, it's like, it's also called rune yoga, which is like definitely <laughs> a wrong it's definitely like not yoga, but it's um just like arranging your body into either like the shapes of the runes or shapes that kind of resemble um rune shapes and, and kind of inviting them into your body that way. Um, you can invoke or evoke runes by correspondence or association. Um, so, for example, one of the ones that we're going to talk about later today is Thurisaz, which is the thorn um, or the giant, among other things. And so you can invoke this by working with thorned plants. Um, or, you know, you, like you don't have to draw thuricides. You can use rose stems or something like that and and invoke thuricides or evoke thuricides that way. And I'm using evoke and invoke as two separate things. To invoke is to like call an energy into your body and to evoke is to like call up an energy outside of your body. Um, so you can do both of those things, <laughs> um, but they are different things. Yeah. So that's like the main way is using the, oh, oh, and using the sounds of the names of the runes. So you can just chant them or whatever, say them, chant them, sing them. You can use just the sounds of the runes. So like, ah, for Ansu's, or you can actually like say the names of the runes. I tend to prefer to say the names of the runes personally, um, but that's just me. Yeah, so sound, writing and drawing, um, carving, etc. also, um, arranging things in the shapes, arranging yourself in the shapes um, by correspondence or association and by visualization or meditation. So those are the main ways I think that you can, quote unquote, do rune magic. Um, real quick, also, before we get too far <laughs> into this, a word of warning. This podcast is about magic that works, okay? This podcast is about magic that I have seen work or that people I really trust have experienced working for themselves. Um, And we will get to that soon. Actually, I said I wasn't going to have interviews till season two, but I'm pretty sure I have at least one, possibly two episodes coming up soon. Definitely one I really hope is going to be before Samhain um, that I will have a guest on. I I'm I don't want to jinx it. I'm crossing my fingers. I really want this to happen. Um but anyhow, people I trust or or magic that works. Magic that works. So this shit is real. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I have experienced this happening. I've seen this happening. I've seen this work too many times to count, too many times to doubt. Really is is the word that I'm looking for. Um it is too many times to count, but it's it's definitely too many times to doubt it. And I've seen things happen that um, perhaps I would go back and do differently if I knew just how well these things would work. So what I'm saying here is be careful what you, what energies you call upon. Um, and 
do try to make sure that you understand the f- the totality of the meanings of the implications of any given rune or symbol. You know, this, this applies outside of rune magic as well. Whatever you're invoking, whatever you're evoking, whatever energies you're calling upon, do please try to make sure that you understand them as well as possible before you do so. Um, especially if you're doing so in any sort of big sizable way because um you may find that the results will include things that you didn't count on if you didn't fully understand the rune and i have at least one story about this that is another story for another episode that I would love to share with you. Um, ask me about Lagus. Might be on my YouTube, actually. I'm not sure, but I'll definitely add it to my podcast at some point. Um, but that's not for today. Um, and so what I'll say is that like, I I think I do do, a, I think I will do a pretty good job. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> of explaining the different aspects of the runes that we're going to talk about today. Um, so I feel pretty confident in in encouraging you to go forth, even with no previous experience in runes, and encouraging you to go forth and use any of the five runes that we're going to talk about in this episode in any of the ways that we're going to talk about um, for protection. I, I feel pretty confident in that. But... Um, and and I, I will try to also like illuminate for you the different aspects of the meanings and the powers of these runes so that hopefully um, you can kind of know what you're getting into and, and choose appropriately which one you want to invoke or evoke. Um, but that said, um, I, I, it, it would be hubris to assume that I know everything there is to know about even just these five runes. And that's coming from someone who's written a book on it. So every rune is multifaceted. I am constantly always learning new things about runes, seeing a rune from a new angle, seeing it show up in my world in a new way um, that illuminates, you know, new facets of its meaning. And that's a really cool thing about studying runes. And that's something I really, really love about studying runes. And that's also something that has made me really aware of just how much I don't know and just how much there is to know and just how much I probably will never know. And um, like I said, I've definitely experienced runes manifesting in my life, in my world, in ways that I didn't count on and would absolutely probably go back and do differently. Although, you know, I think things have worked out pretty okay in the end. Well, <laughs> on that front anyway. So um, oh, speaking of being somebody who's written a book on it, uh, I have a book. It's called Modern Runes. I mentioned this a little bit. You can go, <laughs> you can get it at com slash runes. That's going to be my affiliate link. Um, otherwise, I don't make anything off it anymore. I've already been paid. So uh, you can get it wherever you want. That's fine. But if you do get it through the link on my website, um, it is an affiliate link and I will make a teeny tiny commission. So that would be cool. Um, but I, either way, regardless of the commission, I appreciate people reading my book and learning from my book. People say nice things about it. Um, it does include a little bit of history and context and it does include meanings for all the runes, both for divination and for magic. Um, 
And then if you are a total beginner and you really do want to kind of dip your toes into rune magic slowly, this is one thing that I don't think I actually talk about in the book that I do feel really fully confident saying is safe because it's utterly balanced. Um, And this is a charm that you can try even without fully understanding it um, because it is perfectly balanced. And that is the full futhark as a charm. So uh, I used to think this is really dumb, actually. Like, I don't know if, you'll, if you've ever noticed, but there's a lot of when you look at like rune jewelry that's available or like runic merchandise, I guess, in, in the witch world that's available. A lot of it has like a, in a circle the full futhark. So it's it's kind of like if you think about it in in the context of the English language, it's, it feels kind of kind of fucking dumb like why would you wear a necklace that had like the alphabet in a circle going around the edge of the necklace well because the futhark is not the alphabet it's a magical system not just a writing system and it's in a specific order for a specific reason um i don't know exactly what that reason is that's something i'm still studying but i i know that it is balanced the way that it is and that is actually one of the most ancient, like most popular ancient pieces of rune magic that you'll see is you'll find like a, ro- a lot of rune stones that have been carved with the full futhark, not necessarily in a circle, um, but the full futhark being carved out as a charm, basically as a piece of magic. And I think it's something that that beginners would do for practice, both to to learn the futhark and to to practice carving it, to practice writing it, but perhaps also to practice invoking it. Whoa, I just got a Windows security notification and it made a loud noise in my headphones. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that really just surprised me. So the cool thing about that is that for example, I wouldn't necessarily encourage... Actually, one of my friends once came to me once and was telling me that she was thinking about getting the rune solo tattooed on her. And I was like... And she was she was pretty new to runes. And I was just like, I understand where you're coming from. And I can understand that feeling like a good idea. But I would really suggest that you maybe don't do that. <laughs> Um, either until you have like a really thorough understanding of everything that solo means so that you know 100% like what you're not just invoking, but literally like permanently invoking. Um, and otherwise, I would suggest either getting like all the runes tattooed or none of the runes tattooed. Or like if you really do understand the runes that you're invoking, like go for it, do it. But, um, if you don't, I think that working with the Futhark as a whole is a really good charm because what you're doing when you invoke the Futhark as a whole is you are invoking the totality of that balance, that magical order. And it's basically, I, I, I was explaining this to someone in terms of Rasul Hanut the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with Rasul Hanut. It's a Moroccan spice blend um, and it can have anywhere from like seven to 42 different spices in it. But when I was in Morocco, the way that um, the the man we stayed with and traveled with explained it to us was um, that a lot of Moroccan women would use it um, like in case as the attitude was like 
I'll use these other spices as like the main flavor notes in this dish, but then we'll put in a little Rasul Hanout, like just in case we forgot something, just to balance it out, you know, just to just to make sure that it, we get a good balance of flavor in this meal. And I feel like the futhark as a whole, as a charm, is kind of similar. So like you can invoke or evoke certain specific runes, but then invoking or evoking the full futhark or like the web of weird, which contains the full futhark, which we can talk about some other time, um, is is kind of like, well, just in case like I'm not the person who actually knows everything about what energies I need right now. Like, you know, some, we are so blind sometimes to our own spiritual needs, you know? Um, a lot of times what our spirit needs is the opposite of what our ego thinks that we need um, or wants. And we can talk ourselves into all sorts of things that are not actually helpful for us in the long run. And to me, invoking, like I can see so much opportunity for invoking the wrong rune and sending things going like just the wrong way in my life, you know? Um, like I thought I needed to destroy something that wasn't working for me but really I needed to strengthen it and the only reason that it wasn't working was because of like my own doubt or lack of commitment and then you know I could end up in a cycle of like building things up and self-sabotaging and running away and like breaking down everything that gets to a certain point when you know what I feel like is like this isn't working so it needs to be destroyed so I invoke thurisaz when what I really need is like a little extra faith, a little extra strength to maybe destroy my fear, um, to strengthen my courage. You know, maybe I really needed some, some Ewas, some Wunyo, some Othala, some, you know, some other rune. And maybe I don't know what I need. And so invoking the whole Futhark as a charm, we will get to runes for protection, I promise. Invoking the whole Futhark as a charm is a way to kind of say, to magic say to spirit say to the runes hey like i know that the runes can help me right now but i don't actually know what i need to be in balance to be in alignment so i'm going to invoke the full thing the whole pattern the whole the totality the completion the balance of the futhark as a whole and trust that where I am deficient, I will be supported and I will be strengthened. And that where I am um, perhaps over strong, I will be balanced, I will be tempered. Um, and, and in calling upon the power of the balanced total Futhark to balance and align and temper our own energy so that i feel like no matter how much of a beginner you are <laughs> um using the whole futhark as a charm could be a really good idea and a really good way to kind of start experimenting with rune magic and to get into rune magic so that is something that i recommend that is something that you can totally try if you try it let me know how it goes that would be great okay so moving forward it's time we finally got there after all of that 
introductory context. How long has it been? It's been a half hour. We're doing great. Now we have five runes that we're going to talk about, five specific runes that you can use for protection, and they are Elaz, sometimes known as Alkis. They are Isa, it is Thurisaz, Solo, and Othala. So um, we will talk about those <laughs> now. And Elaz is the most popular protection rune. Um, like if you look at a list of like one word rune meanings, Elaz is often the one that is translated as straight up protection. And uh, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Like if you, if you want to, and, and I would also say that if you are super new to this and you want to dive in slowly or dip your toes in, um, Elaz is probably a pretty damn safe rune to experiment with. I haven't seen that one go wrong. Um, hmm. Let me think about that. Okay, the way that Elaz could go wrong, because Elaz is a boundary. And so sometimes it's also called Algis. Um, as far as I know, the correct name in the Elder Futhark is Elaz, E-L-H-A-Z. Um, but it's actually m more common these days to find it like on the internet or in books as Algis or Algis, which is A-L-G-I-Z. Um, so it's the same rune. Uh, and Elaz is the Elk Sedge. Um, it's a number of things. Um, so it's like a thorny hedge that creates a boundary, like a fence, right? Um, it's also a tree. Um, and it looks like, I, I wish I had visuals on this podcast. It looks like a Y, like a capital Y, but the, the vertical line goes up all the way through the V on top. So it's like a three-pronged Y or like a bird foot. Um, and I really wish I had a visual here, actually, because if you can picture that shape or if you can draw that shape in front of you or pull up, um, pull up like a reference or pull up the blog post that's associated with this, head over to welcometomagicschool.com. You can pull up the blog post and there'll be pictures of all these runes. Um, or if you have my rune book, get that out, look at it in front of you. So Elaz is a tree, which is pretty clear if you're looking at it. And so there's like everything that you, the we associate trees with protection because they are shade, right? The shade of a tree provides protection from the sun, from storms, from all sorts of things. Um, it's like it's a home for many different creatures, you know, trees. They really are. So protection in the sense uh, that a tree provides shelter, provides protection. It's protection in the sense that if you look at it, um, it's also a swan in flight. So if you look at it, you have the neck of the swan is the lower part. It's flying like towards you as you look at it. The outer wings of the V are the wings. And then the the top bit would be the the top center bit would be like the body and the tail of the swan. So if you look at it that way, it is like a, a long-necked swan in flight, which is important because um, the Valkyries are associated with swans. And I believe we're said to turn into swans, I think. I hope I'm not making this up. Um, and the Valkyries are protectors of soldier in soldiers in battle, and they would help choose the slain, choose from among the slain for like who would go to Folkvanger with Freya versus who would go to Valhalla with Odin. Um, because I don't know if you know this, actually, I, I think before I started studying it, I had only heard that those who were slain in battle when they die go to Valhalla. Well, that's not true. Half of those who are slain in battle go to Valhalla and half of them go to Folkvanger with Freya. And in fact, Freya gets first pick of the slain. So 
she gets to pick half of those who are slain in battle for herself first. And then Odin gets whatever's left. So I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, okay, so the swan, the tree, it's also the Hamsa. So if you are familiar with the symbol of the Hamsa, it is, I mean, Hamsa just means five, but it's the hand, right? Um, the the splayed hand in the universal sign for stop, right? Like you put your hand out in front of you, it means stop, motherfucker. Like don't come closer. Stop. It's even uh, it's on our on our uh, crosswalks, right? You see the there's the green walking man, and then there's the red hand for stop, right? I'm not making this up, am I? And you can see if you look at like the shape of the hamsa. The traditional shape has where the the outer of the f- the outer two of the five fingers are kind of splayed outwards, um, and it actually perfectly mimics the shape of Ella's, uh, the rune. So all of those different associations go into the meaning of Ella's as a protection rune, or the power of Ella's as a protection rune. So. How can you use Ella's in protection magic? Um, the So you can use the shape of it, right? And it, I'll tell you some ways that I use it. So um, one of my favorite ways to invoke any rune, actually, at any given time, is to use like an oil roller, like a roll-on roller bottle of essential oil. Um, and when I apply it to my body, I'll apply it in the shape of a rune. So I bring this up with Ella specifically because I use Thieves Oil Blend um, for like immune support, which is a a form of protection, right? Immune protection to support my immune system. Um, And I will roll my Thieves Oil Roller onto the soles of my feet in the shape of the Ella's rune. So when I do it, I'm I'm both botanically (laughs) supporting my immune system and magically supporting my immune system. So I'm in- invoking the power of the rune allies while also invoking the power of the botanicals of cinnamon, clove, eucalyptus, rosemary, and lemon, which is what's in Thieves, in case you didn't know that. Now you know that. Um, one of my other favorite ways to use allies is on the palms of my hands. So, you know, we just discussed how the hand in that symbol for stop is part of what Ella's means, part of what Ella's is. Um, So when I'm doing protective energy work, so like if I'm doing like a house clearing or anywhere, any sort of magical working where I'm going to be directly engaging with, um, let's say, unfriendly (laughs) energy um, or spirits, anything that I'm like trying to remove from a home or just protect myself from, um, you know, maybe I'm doing energy work on another person or um, my home or whatever, whatever it is, um, putting Ella's on my hands, um, either in like henna or marker or whatever. Um, or you can use like beet juice or, or something else like that to stain it naturally. Um, is that's something that I've definitely done in the past and have had great success with. I feel like it really strengthens my um my personal energetic boundaries. So I actually also I also have like a I forget what's in it exactly. Maybe I'll post it in the recipes. 
Um, but I have like an energetic protection roller blend, which you can also do this with just like white Angelica. So, um, like I said, I roll on my, my oil blend for immune protection on my feet in the Ella's shape, but I also have like a, a roller that maybe I'll find the recipe for, for energetic protection or spiritual protection with white Angelica and, and a couple other things that I will roll on to other parts of my body, um, Sometimes I'll do my arms, but I'll also do like my collar area, um, <laughs> like the center, like between my heart th- chakra and my throat chakra. Um, I'll put Ella's there for energetic protection um, to kind of strengthen a, a shield, an energy shield. Um, yeah. And then uh, writing it on the palms of my hands. And then using my hands for energy work um, or to enforce my energetic protection has been really powerful. Um, and then I'll tell you more about that when I get to Thurisaws too. Um, you can also, oh yeah. So speaking of trees and protection. So one of the revelations that I've had in meditation, this is what we call UPG or unsubstantiated personal gnosis, um, where like I, I don't. I haven't found anything in like anyone else's book about this specific um, aspect of Ella's. But when I think about trees and protection, um, one of the main sources of protection we can all lean on is our ancestors. And I say all of us and I mean all of us because you may not know of any ancestors specifically who have been like, kind like maybe you come from a a really shitty family and like everybody that you know in your family line has been shitty to you and you don't know of anyone specifically in your genealogical history who has like protecting you in your best interests or in their interests well still even so no matter what Every single one of us is here alive on this earth today because we come from an unbroken line of mothers. We come from an unbroken line of people who protected us long enough for us to survive and make it here. So even if they stopped protecting you literally as soon as you were or, or you know, maybe there's all sorts of nuance. We could go into all sorts of nuance here. But the point is, every one of us is here because somebody, many, many people cared enough about protecting themselves and their genes and their genetic material in the form of their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, etc. For, for, for us to make it here. Like, we wouldn't be here if no one behind us in line or in, in front of us in line. Which way does it go? Um, (laughs) if no one in our ancestral line cared about us making it years ago, it was socially acceptable to leave your kid out on the side of the road and let them die or to drop them in a well or whatever and let them die if you didn't want them. So like, (sighs) we're wanted. Even if you don't have that relationship with your parents or your grandparents, Somewhere in your ancestral line, you're wanted and you are protected and you can turn to your ancestors and it may be ancestors that you've never heard or met 
but you can turn to your ancestral line for energetic and spiritual protection. And if you go back to um, the previous episodes about shamanic journeying, you can meet your ancestors through shamanic journeying and you can ask any, any other guide to like vibe check your ancestors to make sure that they really are, they really do have your best interests at heart. And often your best interests are in, in the interests of your ancestors because they want to see their line continue forward. They put a lot of energy into making sure that their line continued forward and they want to help make sure that that keeps happening into the future. And if there's a way that they can do that, they want to do that. So obviously there can be ancestors that are not helpful, but your ancestors come from your family tree and you can get a lot of protection from your family tree of ancestors. So that's another way, working with ancestors is another way that you can call on the power, the protective power of Elaz. That was a long way to say that, but there you go. There it is. Um, they are also, it's um, the branches of Elaz are not just the branches of any tree. They are the branches of the world tree, which maybe ties that even closer to ancestors because how do you get to see your ancestors um, by traveling the world tree. Although probably you have to travel the trunk of the world tree and go into the lower worlds, um, depending on your own belief system and how the worlds are arranged in your spiritual worldview. But um, family tree, world tree, right. So the branches of the world tree. So so Elas can also be used to support horizontal travel between worlds. So Iwas is used for vertical travel between worlds, and we're not going to talk about Iwas in this episode. Um, that's the trunk of the world tree. Elaz is used for horizontal travel between worlds, and I think I actually did talk about this in episode two. So feel free to go back and check that out, um, or maybe it was episode three, but I think it was episode two. Feel free to go back and check that out. Um, although I don't know how much more in depth I went into it there. Um, but because it is a rune of travel between worlds and it is a rune of protection, Elaz is especially good as a rune for protection of travelers. So if you're traveling, if you're a wanderer, if you're living the nomadic lifestyle, um, if you're living the van life, um, or if you're just traveling, going on a plane, going on a road trip, going on a boat, going on a train you can call upon the power of Elaz to protect you on your travels. You can put it on your baggage, um, on your baggage tags. You can write it on your boarding pass. You can put it on your gas tank you, or your gas cap, you know, like you can do all sorts of things like that. Um, I do have, I think, a bind rune of Elaz and Rido in my car charm. Um, and Rido is like the, the journey the right path, the the path. It's, it's a lot of things. We can talk about that in another episode. Um, use the hand gesture. That's another way you can call upon the, ma the power of Elaz. I think I already said that, like literally using the hand gesture with the rune on your hand or not. Um, just, just straight up putting your hand up and being like, yo, stop is a way to enforce your boundaries. And People enforce their boundaries like that naturally. So you can just know now that when you do that, you are also invoking the power of Elaz and have that added layer of power in your gesture, in your action, in your 
in the act of doing that. Um, you can also put allies on your on the doors of your home or or any like the door of your room or or anything that you want to protect. Um, but putting it on the doors of your home is especially appropriate because your home is your shelter, right? Just like a tree is a shelter for for many different types of creatures, including sometimes humans. Um, our home is our shelter. And so Elaz is especially appropriate as a rune for protection of the home. And um, my the door to my house actually has, it has like a leaded glass window in it. And the leaded glass has Elaz in it a bunch of times. So that's just, I just got lucky. That's just chance. I, well, <laughs> chance. Ha 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 ha. Um, who believes? Who here believes in chance? Raise your hand. Um, <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I rent here. It was like that when I moved in, but it's pretty cool. So I don't. I haven't like added a rune charm to my front door because my front door literally has a built-in rune charm. Um, I just like charge it or empower it sometimes, but I think that's pretty cool. If you don't have a built-in rune charm on your front door, you can always create a rune charm out of Elaz. And I would suggest Othala as well. I would suggest a combination of Elaz and Othala. I think that's a pretty good um, bind rune for a front door or a back door for any door, but for the home specifically. Okay. Oh, and then, so I talked about uh, calling upon the power of a rune through association or correspondence. So I would say like you could wear clothing or jewelry that, um, you know, that resonates with where the, like the motifs or the colors or, or the features of the clothing or jewelry resonate with the meaning of, or the energy of the rune. So for example, clothing or jewelry with swans, um, hamsa jewelry, or, or even like fabric with the hamsa pattern on it, um, a lot like a lot of people already wear hamsa jewelry for protection so you can just know that you also have the power of the rune elas in that hamsa or like really like the hamsa and elas are energetically almost one in the same um i would say the hamsa is more specific um and the hamsa if you don't know is specifically i think for protection against the evil eye but like I really believe it can be good for so much more than that. And um, because it it is so closely related to Elas and they share so much of their energy between each other. So anyhow, that's a thing. Um, you can also wear like an actual Elas rune. People make rune, rune jewelry. Um, people get rune tattoos. Uh, I know a girl actually who had Elas straight up uh, branded into her skin that's not something I would personally choose to experience, but I I think she, I don't, as far as I know, she doesn't regret that decision. <laughs> so I like, I think about being branded and I'm just like, wow, that sounds like it, like I, I want to invoke Ella's to protect me from ever being branded, but, or I mean, was it branded or was it scarification? Are those different? I think those are different. Yeah, I think it was scarification. Either way. Not something I personally want, but something I have mad respect for if that's something that you really want. Um, and yeah, so you can just straight up use Elas on your body. Um, oh, and then also like tree jewelry or tree prints. Um, anything with a tree motif. Um, and there's all sorts of like tree of life necklaces or tree of life motifs on all sorts of clothing and jewelry. Um, so you can just like when you put it on in the morning or whatever, like you can just envision or visualize the Ella's rune 
overlaid on that tree and just know that that power of protection is already extant in that symbol because of what it is and just like, you know, add a little bit of power through it, to it with your energy and with your visualization. So that's Ella's moving on. It's time for a totally unscripted plant magic minute. And today's plant magic minute is going to be about an energetic protection roller that I keep in my purse literally 100% of the time. This never leaves my body when I am out of the house and for good reason. It includes the oils White Angelica, which was featured in our previous episode, episode three, uh, Frankincense, which I could do an entire fucking episode on, and Thieves, which I could also do an entire fucking episode on, and which you probably just heard me talk about in the LS section. So in a 10 mil roller bottle, you'll want to do 15 drops White Angelica, 10 drops Frankincense, 5 drops Thieves, add a couple obsidian chips if you're feeling extra, and then top it off with carrier oil. I like to roll it onto my sternum in the shape of Ella's or another protection rune. Get the recipe and all the oils that you need to make it at welcometomagicschool.com slash episodes slash protection runes. Speaking of plant magic, this podcast is sponsored by Oil Coven. Oil Coven is an online circle of badass witches from around the world who are brought together by our mutual commitment to leveling up with plant magic. We work with plant magic in the form of Young Living Essential Oils to level up our wellness, our manifestations, our relationships, abundance, and more. When you join Oil Coven, not only do you get a 24% discount on all Young Living products, you'll also be invited to exclusive Facebook groups, events, and more. We have several online events each month, including Coven-exclusive moon circles and potions club meetings, and sometimes we throw tarot tea parties. We also hold classes on things like crystals, runes, affirmations, and how to use them in tandem with plant magic. It's so much fun. Joining Oil Coven is as simple as saying yes to plant magic. There's no starter kit required, and you never have to sell unless you want to. Join Oil Coven to begin leveling up with plant magic today. To learn more and see our schedule of upcoming events, visit vervainandtheroses.com slash oilcoven. Number two, room number two that we're going to talk about today is Isa. So how can you use Isa for protection? This is not one that a lot of people think about because, well, for one, a lot of people think of Isa very negatively. It's ice. It's like an, it's kind of like an icicle. I mean, it's a straight line. So it looks kind of like an icicle and it's ice. And a lot of people think of it as like stagnation and blockages and bad things and they're not wrong because it can be all of those things but no rune i maintain this no rune is pure good or pure bad every single rune has a positive healthy aspect and a toxic negative aspect so it can either you know uh, um uh, a rune can be you know it's it's like the temperance right too much of a good thing is not a good thing anymore and it's kind of like Isa is a lot like the hanged man, actually, in Tara, if you're familiar with Tara. I'm, I'm, I bring these parallels up because I know a lot more people are a lot more familiar with Tara than they are with runes. And for me, being able to draw these parallels was really helpful when I was first learning runes and I think is still helpful. 
Um, so I'm hoping that these parallels can be helpful for you. Um, so much like the hanged man can represent like reflection and taking time to pause and reflect and learn and and gather and collect yourself before moving forward. Isa can also be this, you know, stillness, silence, meditation is really important. Reflection, time for reflection, time for stillness and silence and quiet, time to be still with yourself, alone with your thoughts and and just still is important. And we need that time, that time, that action, that inaction, that time of inaction, that energy of inaction and just reflection is really important. And it's interesting, actually, that reflection is the word that we use for this because reflection is where Issa's protective power comes up. It is reflective. It reflects things. It deflects things. And we'll get to that. Ice deflects things. You throw something into water, it sinks. You throw something at ice, it bounces off, right? So in that sense, it is reflective, it is deflective, it is protective. And also, um, when like a lake freezes, the surface of a lake freezes, um, the underneath doesn't. And it's kind of creating like a protective shell around the things that live in the deep. I don't know how that adds up ecologically, but in my head, metaphorically, it adds up very nicely. <laughs> um, so, so yes, this slowing down is a good thing, right? Stagnation, we think of as a bad thing. Well, stagnation is just slowing down taken too far. Is just stillness taken too far, and we can absolutely go this direction. And I've actually, I've absolutely gone this direction, you know, of of being like, I just need to slow down, and then suddenly two years have gone by, and I haven't made any progress in my life. Okay, so that's Isa gone toxic. That's Isa in excess. But, and that's you know, then it's time for Yera, which is the thaw, the cycle, the harvest, the sun, uh, the year, the summer, right? Um, thawing that ice and and bringing that stagnation to an end, turning the wheel, thawing the ice, making the water flow again. Um, so if, if you have too much Isa in your life, uh, call on Yera. But <laughs> if you don't have enough Isa in your life, if you're, for example, if you are a highly sensitive person, if you are um, very susceptible to being caught up in other people's energy, if you're very susceptible to kind of being brought along for the ride with wherever other people are taking their energy, you can call upon Isa to strengthen your sense of self. And, and being alone, being still and being in silence, meditating is one of the ways that we strengthen our sense of self. But Isa, you can also, as an English speaker, this is really helpful because Isa is the I sound um, and it makes the I shape straight straight vertical line. Um, and it also is the I, the ego, the self, right? The identity. And so when we are alone, you cannot, first off, you cannot be still. You cannot be in true meditative stillness if you are in a truly social environment. So and and maybe you can access a little bit of that energy if you're like 
if you're if you're really really good at accessing your own energy you can you know be in like the middle of a crowded restaurant and just like go inwards and tap into that and 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 find you know get in touch with your inner intuition your inner self and and your true truth i don't know all of those things that live inside you that you sometimes have trouble accessing when there's too many external influences um but it's a lot easier to access those things when you remove yourself from the external influences so being alone journaling um you know uh, teal swan was just talking about this about how like when we really like to be alone it's because we can't access our true self as easily when we are in company with other people so getting away from other people allows us to more truly access our true self and what she was saying actually i thought was really interesting and very true is that if you are that kind of person that doesn't mean that you need to be alone it means that you need to work on how you are with other people you need to work on learning to access your true self when you are with other people not that you don't need not that you need to not be around other people you need to practice being around other people and accessing your true self simultaneously and maybe that means being around different people Maybe that means learning to set stronger energetic boundaries around people. Maybe it means all sorts of things. But I think Isa can actually really help you set the sort of boundaries around other people in relationship with other people that allows you to access your true self, your truth, your intuition, your inner knowing when you are in presence in relationship with other people, you know, even with the influence of other people around, you can set up that ice shield, that reflective protective ice shield around your true self to reflect off that which is not you, that which is not true for you. And this ties in really, really well with one of the four agreements. Um, I forget what number it is, but it's take nothing personally. Don't take anything personally. So when we have our ISA shield up, our, our reflective ice shield up, Things that are that other people say about us or that we might sometimes be tempted to take personally, it bounces right off, right? If somebody, you know, says something that that might be even insulting, um, you don't take it personally because you know that's not about you. Even if it's like quote unquote about you, it's not about you. It's about the person who said it, you know? And if somebody it's it's about what they're experiencing. And sometimes that can be really helpful reflection for us to sit with and find out like, wait, hold on, like, am I because I don't know, if you're if you're creating a negative experience for one person, or if somebody perceives you as creating a negative experience for them, and it happens once, it's definitely them. <laughs> um, but if this is a pattern that you have of like many people perceiving you as creating negative experiences for them, like it might actually be something that you're doing and it might actually be time for you to enter, um, some more Isa and do some, some shadow work, which is some other runes that we won't talk about today. So taking nothing personally, I would really recommend reading that chapter of the four agreements in conjunction with studying Isa, um, because if you can master taking nothing personally, you'll have basically mastered the protective power of Isa. Um, so how do you, 
how do you use ESA for protection? I think the main way is you call upon it. You can you can chant its name or you can visualize it. Um, but you're you're basically creating an energetic ice shield around yourself, a reflective shield of ice around your energetic body, where anything that's thrown at you energetically will bounce off, or you, or you can choose at least what to let in. Um, and you can see through it. It's ice. It's clear. You can see through it, but things bounce off. Um, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And you can also do this with like a white angelica shield around the body. It's, not, and it's more like a white light, but ice is like a white light. Have you ever been out in the snow on a sunny day? It's a lot of white light. Um, and then, okay, so I have a note here about the ego self. So I, I mentioned that Isa, an aspect of Isa is the ego self. So one thing about that is that the ego does protect us, but sometimes the ego protects us from things that are actually trying to help us level up. And this is one of the reasons that Isa is associated with stagnation. So like if you're frozen, you're less vulnerable, but you're also stagnant. You can't you can't grow while you're frozen. You can gain knowledge and insight that will allow you to move forward in better ways once you start moving forward, but you can't actually do the moving forward in the frozen state. So, so the stillness is necessary for the before the growth. And actually, there's a lot of fruit trees that require a certain number of chill hours um, in the soil before they will bear fruit. So that's that's something interesting to think about, a, a nice partnership between Isa and Yara there. Um, the freeze and the harvest. So yeah, first the freeze, then the thaw, Isa Yera, then the level up, I was. So if you look at the way that the Futhark is laid out in order, Isa is right before Yera and right after Yera is I was. So the freeze, the thaw, and then the vertical travel between worlds, the level up. And maybe I'll do another episode sometime about like the eights of runes <laughs> and like what how how you can interpret that order. Um, but that's something I'm very much still working on. So I don't, I feel like I could definitely offer some insight on that right now, but I would really like to, to do a little more, um, studying and experimenting and, and, and meditation on that myself before I, uh, before I feel fully ready to share that with you. So stillness allows us to observe what we can't see when we're running. So if you've ever heard the phrase slow down to speed up, that's what Issa's for. Uh, strength of identity. I think I mentioned that. Um, okay. Yeah. So mirror spells, you can use mirror spells for protection. Um, ooh, I didn't make a note of what they're called, but in feng shui, there are mirrors that are used. Uh, let me look it up actually. Okay. I didn't know it was called that, but apparently it's just called a bagua mirror. Um, so in feng shui, I mean, where you place any mirror in feng shui matters, but there are two specific types of mirrors in feng shui, and they're called bagua mirrors. And one of them is convex, and one of them is concave. And they they do have, I think they have like the the symbols of the I Ching. There's a, there's like there's a lot. I shouldn't really talk about this because there's a lot that goes into these. But there's like a yin bagua and a yang bagua. So there's one that like pulls energy in and then there's one that pushes energy out and you should study more <laughs> about feng shui independently if you want to know more about that but that is just one specific example of protective mirror magic which is in the domain of isa so you can use a mirror 
to reflect energy away and you can hang like a, you can hang a straight up mirror on the outside of your house to reflect away any you know and, and enchant it to reflect away any or deflect any energy that you don't want coming into your house um you can just like incorporate like i've seen like wind chimes or mobiles 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 <laughs> i don't know um you know, like wind things um, that hang that have like mirrors incorporated in them. So you can use that for protection. Actually, one of my friends just got one. Um, shout out to Diana. <laughs> um, she just got a really cool like mirror hanging thing at Home Goods. It, it looks like a wind chime, but it doesn't make noise. It just has pretty hanging mirrors and it reflects light and it's pretty. Okay. That's what it is. So, um, you can use that to protect your home and kind of you can imbue that with the energy of the rune Isa for some extra protection. Um, but it is already just by being a mirror, it already carries the magic of Isa. So that's kind of what I'm saying when I talk about like using these runes like it, or calling on the power of these runes through association or correspondence is like a lot of things that we use for magic already have the energy of these runes because of what they are and because of what the rune is so you can just go forward with the knowledge that these things are related or these things are one and the same and these things are inseparable and you can also you know you can add that intention i feel like to me for me what i kind of mean by this is that understanding isa as a rune helps me understand protective mirror magic. Understanding Isa as a rune helps me understand meditation and reflection and these sorts of things. Helps me understand the magic of taking nothing personally. And I think we will do some episodes at some point about the four agreements, um, but that's not today. That's later. So, okay mirror spells oh yeah you can also like wear clothing with mirrors or even like sequins on it um shisha embroidery is what it's called when you have the mirror embroidery on the i think it's indian definitely middle eastern Ooh, i should look that up okay so there's regional variations wikipedia says that shisha embroidery today can be found in the traditional embroidery of the indian subcontinent afghanistan china and indonesia so all over the east um and I think it was originally, like, this technique was originally developed as a way of, like, mimicking the the actual, like, jewels that the upper classes would have incorporated into their clothing. So it was kind of like a cheap version of that. But the cool thing is it's actually also reflective magic. Like, I don't know if they intend it that way, but it definitely can be used that way. And I would go so far as to say it probably is innately a little bit that way. But definitely, like, if you put on a piece of clothing with mirror embroidery or even have, like, on your couch some throw pillows with mirror embroidery, shisha embroidery, um, you can purposefully call upon the power of Isa to support the protective, reflective nature of this embroidery. So that's a cool thing that you can do. Let's see. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or just like wearing other kinds of reflective jewelry. And then also you can wear white or silver. So white and silver 
are literally reflective. Like white reflects all the colors of light. That's why it's white. Bam. Um, and then silver is, you know, what mirrors were traditionally lined with because it's really reflective. And <laughs> it's just good at that. So wearing white and silver um, kind of calls up that same energy. And I think I will talk more about wearing white and wearing other colors and stuff in actually the next episode. So subscribe <laughs> and also rate and review if you have a moment, please. That would be really cool of you. Okay. So that's Ella's and Issa. Yeah. And rune number three that we're going to talk about for protection today is Thurisaz. And this is probably like, I feel like when I was originally thinking about runes for protection, like years ago, I thought, okay, it's Ella's and Thurisaz. And then as I started to understand Issa more, I was like, okay, it's Ella's, Thurisaz, and actually also Issa. And then more recently, as I've been like working more with the runes, Solo has showed up for me as a super protector rune. And Othala, I, I think there's a number of ways in which I can justify Othala as a protection rune. So, but the point is here that Thurisaz is like one of the top two that you think of when you think of runes for protection. And I think even if you are only reading like the most basic rune book, you should still come away with an understanding that Thurisaz can be used for protection because let me be clear, Thurisaz is not a rune to be fucked with lightly. Um, Thurisaz, the very heart of the meaning of Thurisaz is destruction. But destruction, as we should all know by now as magical people, is not always a bad thing, right? Destruction creates the space for new things to grow, for new things to be born. If destruction gives meaning to creation also or at least gives additional meaning to creation but more importantly destruction makes space for creation right and and we've all experienced this so i think thurisaz and the tower card in tarot are really closely linked so when you look at the tower uh, and the story from the bible of the tower of babel right the story is that the tower was because of human hubris, <laughs> human overconfidence, we got cocky. We wanted to build a taller thing, a tall thing. We wanted to build, what was it, like something taller than God or like something something like that. I haven't actually read the whole Bible. I probably shouldn't tell Bible stories if I hadn't read the Bible. I should probably read the Bible. Um, But the point is, we got too confident and we tried to build a tower so tall that... um. It was super tall. And the, it, to basically, I think we were, I think the point was we were trying to outdo God, right? But either way, we were misguided in the building of this tower. And <laughs> we were going about it entirely the wrong way. And in the Bible story, God gets mad and destroys the tower and knocks the people out and separates the people. So it was like one united people. And after the tower, he was like, this is not good. We can't have them all. We're going to separate the people with all these different languages. Babble, babble, babble. Okay. Um, stepping away from the Bible story. So in tarot, the tower represents all that which has been built up wrongly and which has necessarily, which, which needs to be destroyed. Either which 
has necessarily been destroyed or is necessarily going to be destroyed. Um, and it, it may be that the destruction of the tower is not inevitable, but the destruction of the tower is necessary for some greater purpose. Um, and often it is inevitable. Um, and I think sometimes also we have a, a mixed understanding of inevitability because our lifetime is so short relative to eternity. <laughs> So, for example, I think you can say that after all this time, it's probably pretty apparent that the collapse of any great empire is inevitable, right? But a lot of times we don't think about it as about the collapse of something as being inevitable because it doesn't look like it's going to happen in our lifetime. And it's like, well, whether something is inevitable or not has very little to do with whether or not it's going to happen in one of our very short lives, right? So, when we defy nature, the Mystic Fairy Tarot talks about this really well. The Mystic Fairy Tarot, book written by Barbara Moore, has forever changed my perspective on the tarot card. In that book, and this will come back to Thurisaz, in that book, the tower, rather than being struck by lightning, although lightning is also a force of nature, is taken over by ivy and roots that kind of destroy the tower from the foundation, from from the inside out, like it it nature rips apart the tower slowly because truly the tower was built on nature's territory and it's always going to be nature's territory and you know you can kill the green you can kill the birds you can kill the tigers but like you can't kill nature and nature's always going to win nature is always going to win we're part of nature too guys but when we try to defy nature, we can only do it for so long. The defeat of our defiance, I truly believe, is inevitable. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over. And this is one of the reasons why I don't think it's worth trying to defy death um, in the long run. Like, prolong it, prolong life, uh, put off death, sure. But defy it, mm, bad idea. Also, almost certainly not possible. <sighs> because nature will take down the tower. Suddenly, this is an episode about the tower. So Thurisaz is that destructive power of nature. And Thurisaz has a couple translations. Um, it's a thorn, right? It's like the thorn on a rosebush. Um, it's the thorn on an elk sedge. I don't know. Do elk sedges have thorns? I think they do. It's the thorn on a blackberry bush. It's, it's a thorn, right? It is also, if you think about this in terms of the divine masculine, the divine feminine, Thurisaz is masculine. It is active. It is um, protrudent. Is that the word? Um, it's a masculine destructive energy. And there are feminine destructive energies, but Thurisaz is a masculine destructive energy. It goes out and destroys. It is also a Thurs is a giant. And also, <laughs> Thurisaz is linked with Thor. And so it's linked with Thor's hammer. 
And Thor's hammer also was for destroying giants. So it is both the destructive forces of the giants. In Norse mythology, the giants are often seen as evil, but I don't think they're actually evil. You also have to understand that a lot of the Norse mythology that's been handed down to us was actually written down by Christians who didn't like Norse paganism. And there may have been many things about true Norse paganism um, that were not written down. And also, you see this pattern in Greek mythology as well, where in the Greeks, you have the Titans and then you have the gods, right? So you have kind of these like great nature spirits. The Titans are like, and the giants in Norse mythology are like these big nature spirits. They're wild. They're anarchic. They're, they're beyond being tamed. They cannot be tamed. They will not be tamed. It's, it's against their nature to be tamed because they are forces of nature. And then you have the later gods, the more quote unquote sophisticated gods, sophisticated separate from nature, the more um, agricultural gods, the more societal gods. So you have, you know, Odin is not a god of nature. He is tied to the wind and the breath and the word, but he's not a god of nature. He's a god of kings. He's a god of society. He's a god of war, of government, of of education, um, of all of these things. And a god like Odin could not have existed in a pre-agricultural society, I think. Um. And I think a god like Thor could not have existed in a pre-agricultural society. Thor is a god of farmers, actually. And, and Thor is the god with the hammer whose hammer is meant to destroy the giants, to tame the giants, to kill giants, to tame the forces of nature. So there are so many ways that we go about taming the forces of nature in order to live our life to protect ourselves right we put up walls to keep out the wind and rain we turn on our acs to keep out the sun and the heat to the keep out the heat we close our curtains to keep out the sun we spray poison to keep out bugs um even if they're just irritating and they're not even dangerous you know we we do all sorts of things to fend off the forces of nature. And those are kind of Thor's hammer. But Thurisaz isn't just the hammer. It's also the giant. So it's the hammer that destroys the giant. And it's the destructive power of the giant of nature to destroy parts of ourselves and parts of our own creation. It's the lightning so in the tower card, Thurisaz is the lightning that takes down the tower. In the tower card, in the Mystic Fairy Tarot, it is the roots, the ivy, that pulls apart and breaks up the tower. When we go to pick a rose, it is the thorn that pricks our hand that protects the rose and destroys our sense of safety, our sense of privilege, with pain. So the rose and thorn. The thorn... Hurts us, right? So we think of thorns as bad. 
But the truth is the thorn protects the rose. So I think hopefully <laughs> at this point you have a pretty good idea of what thuracis is, what it represents. So it's it's destructive protection. It's I guess I didn't say this. It's destructive creation as well. So um for example um there's the type of sculpture there's like additive sculpture where you're like building things up with clay right and then there's subtractive sculpture where you're carving things away to create a shape or i wouldn't shouldn't say with clay additive is you're you're building things up to create a shape shape and subtractive sculpture is where you're carving or taking things away to create a shape and so whereas um kenaz could represent um uh, oh, sorry. Kenaz would represent like forging things, like re, like changing things, bending things to your will with like fire, for example. So Uruz represents the shaping power. So I would say Uruz would be like additive sculpture, and um, Ansu's would be creation with the power of the word, and then um, Thurisa's would be creation through subtractive process, um, creative subtraction, creative destruction. Anyhow, moving forward. So thorn, hammer, destruction, um, the rose and thorn. We talked about that. So where the thorn is um, uh, a, a bane to those who would pluck the rose, but a boon to the rose itself. Um, so Thurisaz is also the remover of obstacles, uh, big Ganesha energy. Um, it can also, it's nature as a remover of obstacles. It, it can also remove obstacles to your highest potential that may feel comforting, like crushes. So like things that you thought you needed, maybe, maybe you don't actually need them, but they can feel like things that you need. So if you, I would say, be aware. Um, a lot of people have this experience with Moldavite, you know, where they, they start working with Moldavite, the crystal, and find that like big changes happen in their life that they weren't necessarily like didn't necessarily mean to call in necessarily like it feels it can feel bad <laughs> it can feel wrong it can feel dangerous it can feel scary but in the end it's it's pretty much you know it's 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 for your highest good and thurisaz can be the same way um it can be really disorienting and really unpleasant to have your foundation ripped out from underneath you but often that is what needs to happen in order for you to live out your highest potential because the foundation that you're standing on is fucked and <laughs> you got to build a new one a good strong level foundation to build a better tower you know and and maybe not a tower that's so tall uh i would love to i we could obviously do a whole episode talking about the tower but um but the point is thurisaz removes obstacles um but some of those obstacles don't always feel like obstacles until you have already healed from having them taken away and have the perspective to see that they were in fact obstacles um they can feel they can be crutches they can be things that you you think you need um and thurisaz will take them away <laughs> so um if you want to invoke thurisaz you can again you can wear different things that kind of are are associated with or correspond to Thurisaz energy. So rose motifs, rose and thorn motifs. Um, you can also, a lot of people choose to wear Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, as like a pendant or 
Some people get it tattooed. Um, you know, uh, I guess people, it, it, you can find it as like a motif on t-shirts and stuff too. So Thor's hammer, it can be a protective amulet. I don't work closely enough with Thor to feel like that doesn't resonate with me necessarily personally, um, but it resonates with a lot of people. Um, so that's cool. Um, I would also say that like wearing like spiky stuff or studded stuff um, or like big boots also, like all those things I would say are Thurisa's energy. And you know, like you can, can you picture somebody wearing big boots and spiky stuff? Yeah, hard, th- big Thurisa's energy, big Thurisa's energy. Um, my friend Sam, what actually inspired me because she had been rolling on blue tansy. We were doing this thing where we were rolling blue tansy oil on our big toes because um, that's like the point, the reflex, reflex, no, that's not the word. Oh, what's the word? Anyhow, the big toe, <laughs> Vitaflex. It's the Vitaflex point that's connected to your brain. And so, and blue tansy is supposed to um, affect like creativity and a bunch of other things. That was the one I really remember because that was the one that I had the most, that I felt the most. I felt such a big difference in my own um, creative energy when I was rolling blue tansy on my toes. And after a while, I feel like my body adjusted to it and it stopped working so much. So I've backed off, but I'll definitely be doing that again. Um, if I had not been doing the tansy toes with the blue tansy on my big toes, I probably would not have started this podcast. Let me put it that way. Um, my first few big brainstorm nights as I was like really getting serious about prepping to actually launch this podcast were entirely fueled by Tansy Toes. Um, And then a lot of the uh, like moving forward with the podcast and getting things done, including this here right now, has been fueled by Focus Pocus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So when we were doing Tansy Toes, my friend Sam was uh, shared in her Instagram stories that she was rolling on blue tansy on the bottom of her feet in the shape of the rune Thurisaz to, quote unquote, help her shatter glass ceilings. And I thought that was so cool, like inviting that like, yo, spirit, let's fuck up some shit that needs to be fucked up energy into your body. Um, I thought that was really cool. And that was how she did that. And it inspired me. To, I think I was telling you with uh, Ella's that I used Ella's on my thieves. Ella's, I used the the Ella, thieves oil roll on on the soles of my feet in the shape of the rune Ella's to like ward and support my immune system and like keep away things. Um, but since I saw Sam do that with her feet, every time that I have felt like maybe I have a little something coming on, I've added thurisaz to the rune on my feet. So I've kind of made a bind rune of Elaz and Thurisaz together. So like Elaz to ward, Thurisaz to destroy on the soles of my feet, again, for immune support. Um, And that's just, I mean, I'm not suggesting that this is like the only thing that you should do to like keep your immune system, you know, to like protect yourself from disease or whatever. Um. I'm just saying that if you want like every possible layer of protection or if you just want additional layers of protection and you're looking for inspiration, that is a layer of protection that I have personally been using and I've been pretty fucking healthy lately. So that's all. Um, Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, For some reason, I wrote in my notes, speak softly and carry a big stick. This is the big stick. Thurisaz is the big stick. Um, Yeah. So I'll just 
I'm just, just sharing that with you. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Thurisaw's fists. I wrote, here's my note. Thurisaw's fists punching evil energy straight up. So <laughs> it's true. So when I was talking about doing, and maybe I'll share with you this whole, I wrote in my essential oil book about like a going away party in the protection chapter for, for unwelcome spirits. And I would love to do an episode about the experience that inspired that. Um, I would love to get my friend Ella on here to do that with me, uh, but I haven't asked her yet. So uh, no, no pressure, Ella, if you're listening to this, um, but I would love, love, love to do that. Um, and either way, I'll probably share that experience with you at some point. And one of the things that I did was, so I had Ella's on the palms of my hands. Um, and then I also put Thurisaw's on my fists. So like the the stick of Thurisaw's I had parallel to my wrist, I guess. And then like the point of Thurisaw's was like pointing down towards my fingertips. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, and I did that on both fists. And then I kind of had this energy of like shield, shield with my palms, shield, 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 shield. And then like punch, punch with my fists with like the protect the shielding protection of Ella's and the destructive protection of Thurisa's. Um and that if I had to do like serious, serious cleansing, protective, banishing energy work on a person or a building like that again, I would totes do that again. Um I felt so like well protected. Uh the other thing that I did actually that evening, I completely forgot about this was I actually cut a rose. So I like came home from work to do this thing. We had like decided we were going to do this this on this particular evening. And I came home from work and on my way back into the building, because this building, this our house was like, the energy in our house was fucked. It needed some attention. And on my way back into the house, I cut two roses off of our rose bush, like on thorny stems. And I held the thorny stemmed rose in my hand like a ward you know like a piece of protective magic like like a combination of thurisaz and elas and like all of the all of that different protective energy all like embodied in this one thorny stemmed rose and there were two of them because i gave one of them to ella um so that was i guess another i don't know if i thought of it that way at the time i honestly don't know um, I probably have it in my notes, but I would say now that that was definitely Thurisaw's energy in that, that rose charm. Okay. So that's, that's everything that I have written for Thurisaw's here, which is pretty cool. Um, I also, no, we won't go into more detail. That's enough information. I was going to give you more Thurisaw's examples, but we're just going to move forward. Okay. So. We're going to cut off this episode here because it got way too long, <laughs> like way too long. And the truth is, like, I don't have a problem, actually, theoretically, with releasing like a three or four hour podcast, but I want to respect your time. And with this being a weekly thing and having homework and everything... Um, I just feel like asking y'all to listen to a four-hour podcast 
is it's a big ask. And maybe we'll be at that point someday, but we're not at that point now. And I want to spare you. So I want to give you some time to soak up the stuff that we've already talked about today. Um, If you want to get a head start on the homework, you can put some of it into action, but I'm not going to officially assign any homework today. So you can take a break, soak it up, um, process. Feel free to practice the stuff, though, because that's like spoiler alert. That's what the homework's going to be is I'm going to ask you to put um, anything that you learned into action. So any one of the runes that we talk about, just, you know, put it into action in your life. But you have two weeks to do it or two episodes worth to do it um, and let me know how it goes. And uh, I guess this will be episode four and then episode five will be like part two of this. Anyhow, I hope you learned something new today. If you did, I would love it if you would take a moment to share what you learned on Instagram and tag at Welcome School so that someone else can benefit from your learning too. If you haven't yet, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Welcome to Magic School on Apple Podcasts so that you can stay up to date and be a part of helping other witches expand their magical knowledge. You can also leave us a review on Audible, Podchaser, and or Stitcher if you use any of those services. And with that, thank you so, so much for listening. Have an absolutely magical day, and I will see you next week on Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical one step at a time with magic that works. Woo!